Hey everyone, welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. As always, my focus is on exploring the intersection of technology and business by having conversations with the most forward-thinking leaders. Throughout my career, I've covered everything from massive parallel processing to advanced robotics, but what truly inspires me are the stories of innovation and transformation. Our guest today is Mike Wondrush, Chief Information Officer at Avantor, a company that has as its mission, we set science in motion to create a better world. Avantor is at the center of the world of life sciences and applied materials industries. The company traces its history back over a century when a chemist in Pennsylvania founded a company dedicated to producing high-quality chemicals. A lot has happened since the J.T. Baker Chemical Company launched in 1904, and today Avantor is a global company with operations in more than 30 countries. Mike Wondrash joined Avantor in 2018 as CIO. He takes an engineer's view of the world and sees technology as a tool best used to solve real-world problems. I had the good fortune to sit down with Mike to talk about his perspective on technology's role in modern business and how connectivity can serve as the bedrock for innovative solutions. But first, I wanted to learn more about Mike himself. Mike, allow me to welcome you to The Restless Ones. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks for the invite. I've listened to a bunch of my colleagues and peers, and it's always a great conversation. I'm excited to be part of it. Before I jump into all your work, I'm very curious because you've had a career that has spanned multiple companies and different job responsibilities. What first drew you to technology? I probably got initially drawn to technology because of its ability to solve problems. I love the kind of applied creativity or the problem-solving capabilities of technology, starting for those a million years ago, like myself, the Apple logo. That was the first creative thing that I thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And that's what continues to you know, have me fall in love with technology every day. It's ability to really make an impact in a dynamic world. I love that, the engineer kind of view of the world. I always say that engineers view the world as a series of problems that are just waiting to be solved. And the technologically inclined ones see the computer systems as one of many tools to achieve those solutions. So let's talk a little bit about your career path. Yeah, I feel like I've been super fortunate to have done some awesome rotations in a number of different industries. So I started my own business out of graduate school. We were doing early days of artificial intelligence. So collision detection software, we helped work with NASA and doing some design work for the space shuttle with the Department of Defense with John Deere tractors on human simulation in ergonomic design. So what a pilot would see from instrumentation and from their seat. Sold that business after a number of years, went into consulting because honestly, I couldn't comprehend not being the final decision maker on everything. So I got to explore a number of different industries and it just spurred my interest in applied technologies. Also out of curiosity, when you're chatting with someone just casually and they say, so what do you do for a living? How do you boil down your job's responsibilities in a way that the average person kind of grocks what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. Even when my kids say, so dad, what do you really do? 
the simple answer is my job is to get Roblox out of the way for the really smart people. In a dinner party, my job is to look for new and creative ways to leverage technology as a strategic asset for the company, whether that's customer-facing opportunities, whether that's internal collaboration, or whether that's supply chain efficiency. It's looking at how we can leverage technology, which is really what digitization is, right? It's how do I take advantage of data and automate or ultimately integrate business processes most effectively to be differentiated in our sector. Excellent. For those who aren't aware of what Avantor does, we're talking about like material science and chemistry. What role does IT play in this space? I would say probably three areas come to mind. One is how do we make research scientists more effective? How do we take what they're doing and accelerate their ability to bring novel science to everyday society? How do we eliminate friction in their environment, whether it's product procurement, whether it's labs traditionally have been very fragmented in their technology solutions. So we play a significant role integrating labs from inventory management, chemical management, procurement management, equipment management, biorepository. So really our role is working with large biopharma companies, working with material science companies, working with semiconductor industry and working with their scientists, co-developing in many cases, but leveraging technology to make them more efficient, bring science to the table faster. And I absolutely love that messaging. Here on The Restless Ones, we talk a lot about connectivity because I really do believe that that is the technology that is sort of the foundation that enables all these others to exist beyond just being a silo. Can you talk a bit about how the company leverages connectivity in various ways? Yeah, absolutely. The notion of connectivity for us is how can I integrate everything in a lab how can I enable scientists to work remotely or when they're physically at their lab bench or in front of experiments? How do I enable my global base of nearly 15,000 associates to be productive anywhere, anytime? Whatever they're doing, whether it's my commercial associates, my frontline distribution workers, my manufacturing associates that are working 24 by 7. So I view ultimately connectivity being the number one most important thing. How do I have what's done at one part of my business be accessible, visible, and usable by other folks within the organization. And I say organization broadly from customer to supplier because they're ultimately going to know the best way to take advantage of that data or that piece of information most effectively. I think that's, when I think about the connected enterprise, how I think about connectivity. Mike, you are really hitting on things that I personally find inspiring and exciting, having this incredible connectivity that has this high throughput, low latency, so that we're able to take advantage of that, you know, moment to moment. I agree. I think the opportunity to be creative in how you take advantage of all the different connected assets out there, to me, is incredibly exciting. You know, we say it is simple, but we use augmented reality in our distribution centers to help our warehouse associates optimize picks so they bend over less or they know the right pile to put a box on so we create a more stable pallet so we use it for safety purposes all the way to in manufacturing lines 
predictively understanding when a line is operating suboptimally and sending someone there to understand why, whether it's a mechanical issue or whether it's a flow issue or a material issue or something going on. I think there's some real world tasks that we've seen such significant benefit in IoT that sounds like this very ethereal thing, but I think applying it to real world activities, I think is really making people's jobs more effective. Mike, you're the first guest we've had on who has talked about using augmented reality in a way to ensure like employee safety and quality of life improvements. I hope to see as a trend throughout all industries, this idea of leveraging the technology, not just to improve efficiency, which obviously is important. That's a big business driver, but as an actual way to improve the quality of life of the people who are working for the organization, you're going to attract the top talent that way. You're going to have incredibly high-performing, loyal (laughs) members of your team when the organization shows that they are taking that time and effort to consider what their day-to-day lives are. I think sometimes we mystify things that don't need to be that mystical and look for more practical ways of utilizing them that is more broad. I think we generally know AI has been around for 25 years. It's the ability to get access to the large language models and the compute power that's allowing it to apply to problems that maybe we haven't been as successful in the past solving. Yeah. I have one more question specifically about connectivity before we move on. And That is, how can wireless technologies like 5G impact the material science and manufacturing space? I think that the largest opportunity when we think about our customer is the lab. I think the evolution of how quickly can we take advantage of the data coming from equipment in the lab into laboratory information management systems, limb systems, to do correlation analysis. How can you accelerate trials data? How can you do compound analysis? We produce very high specification products to very narrow tolerances. So how can we do that quicker? How can you identify which of the raw materials are commodity and which have direct influence to the specification of the output? So I look at what connectivity can do for that and the ability in real time to make those adjustments that will have uh, direct impact. And then I think secondly, it's your footprint. I think, you know, having 5G and these non-tethered technologies allow you to think pretty dynamically about what's the right footprint for this capability, whether it's an office footprint, a lab footprint, DC expansion, a pop-up facility with a customer. If suddenly, you know, I'm call it BYON, bring my own network, I just slap a, a 5G spot up or I'm putting 5G in every single one of my devices, laptops or mobile devices globally, and it's inherently part of my extended network. That's a game changer. I'm curious also, you mentioned earlier about how you view the relationships with suppliers and with customers as all being kind of an extension of the organization itself. Can you talk a bit about how technology, including connectivity, how it facilitates that level of collaboration with entities that are not under the corporate umbrella directly? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. When I think about it, ultimately, if you go back to customer centricity, if our goal is to have at the scientist's fingers the products they need when they need it for the purpose they need it. 
So how do I roll that back to, it's kind of, we used to call it just in time. So how do I have an extended view of what I need to get out the door? And if I need to know what has to be there, how can I work with my suppliers on the most efficient supply chain? So they're not manufacturing huge volumes of product that there isn't demand for. That's not good for anyone, right? So when we look at it as an extended supply chain, I can't be successful if my suppliers aren't reliable and successful. And my customers can't be successful if I'm not successful in providing what they need, maybe even before they know it, which is ultimately our goal, is how do we do a lot more in the predictive space? And we do a a fair bit of that today and looking at different models to accelerate that. That kind of gets back into that convergence of big data and data analysis where you're able to see those potential trends before they have even been manifested to a point that we would normally be aware of them. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the technological foundation for these labs and research centers? Because for someone who is unschooled in the ways of material science and manufacturing and that sort of stuff as I am, my thoughts immediately go to the latest Marvel movie with Tony Stark in a lab. I would love to hear a little bit more about the technological underpinnings of these research facilities. So our goal is to provide customized solutions for a lot of our customers that essentially provide an integrated digital lab for them. And how do we take the waste out of their process and allow them to do more with science? So you talk about IoT solutions, smart shelf solutions. We have thousands of associates that sit within our customer sites that facilitate the type of research, whether it's helping them with inventory, whether it's helping them with actual experiments, et cetera. And the whole notion is, how do I have everything in a lab connected in real time? Wow. So it's perpetual experimentation, it's perpetual output and taking the data and making that an input into the next part of the process. So the underlying, you know, you mentioned connectivity a number of times, underlying connectivity is incredibly important. And then ultimately stringing those different components together from equipment to inventory to analytics and ultimately to output. Can you perhaps talk about some initiatives or projects that kind of stand out to you? Where I really get excited is we talk about e-commerce solutions and creating research platforms for scientists and then linking that to how they work in the lab on a day-to-day basis working with our customers, looking at their workflows, looking at what their research process is and being a a scientific platform. And we're investing heavily in that space. We think it's a space that we've got strong capabilities. We think it's an area that we'll continue to be a leader in. And we feel a, a strong pull from our customers on, hey, give us more. Hey, you really are continuing to drive value for us as a trusted supplier. Give us more automation, more capability, more visibility, take more of what we're doing and help us accelerate the speed of science. When you look in your customer's eyes every day and they're looking at you as an extended part of their business, that's when you know that you're doing something right and it's a true partnership. That's an incredible metric for success. You've also been in a leadership position when or shortly after an organization has acquired other organizations, which involves obviously lots and lots of work on the back end to integrate various systems. Can you talk a little bit about some of the inherent challenges that come along with trying to integrate different organizations that are now part of your own into becoming part of the overall operation? And what are some of the the hurdles that you typically face when that happens? 
Yeah, I feel like a broken record, but data is always the one that comes to mind first. I think if you think about an acquisition, the ultimate outcome is when I acquire a company, can one plus one equal three? So I didn't buy it just to continue to get the same results that we got before. So how do I get access to the data? How can I leverage the capabilities that I bought within this acquisition to complement the capabilities we had already? So the answer used to be, okay, give me 24 months and then I'll have everyone on the same platform and then I'll get you what you need. Impatience sometimes is a good thing. And this is where I think an expectation of how do I get turned around the opportunities to find synergies between the company. And when I say synergies, I don't mean cost takeout. I mean, how do I accelerate the joint benefit of the two capability sets that have now come together? Well, and Mike, you never have to worry about sounding like a broken record when you're talking about data. It's something that I've, <laughs> I've gained a great appreciation for the power of information over the last several years. But as we've talked about, like that has changed dramatically over the last few years where we've seen incredible improvements and leaps and bounds in our ability to analyze data. And it has proven again and again to be perhaps the most valuable asset that's out there. I'm a self-professed data geek. So I think we used to think about data as just being transactions. And I think what big data has uncovered and then probably AI has enabled is the creative juices from everyone within the organization. So it's not just an IT thing. Hey, can you get me this report or can you format this? It's, you know, I've got a tremendous asset I'm sitting on, which is data from across the organization, plus all this external data. Now I can really start solving problems or coming up with perspectives or checking theories that I've never been able to do before because either I didn't have the data I didn't have the compute power to do it. I couldn't come up with relationships. And that's where I think we're just scratching the surface today on what these technologies are opening up, particularly with the large language models. And sort of on the flip side of that, the dark side, I would say, is that we've also seen new threats to cybersecurity. And I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about how the state of cybersecurity has changed over the last few years? What are some of the larger risks that you perceive out for business leaders, things that people need to be aware of? A couple things have forced that change. A handful of years ago, we were looking to secure the four walls of the building, right? The physical infrastructure. If I kept my four walls safe and everyone out, then I was safe and secure. Well, I think the advent of cloud certainly changed everything. So we've got data flying all over the place now that I don't technically own. And then COVID changed where people are working. There is no four walls anymore. Whether you're remote or you're hybrid, you're having people work in locations you never could have imagined. You know, referencing back to your 5G comment, they could be out on the hills in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, and it'll look just like they're sitting in my office just outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So trying to secure all that dynamically to the same level is a challenge every single day. It's moved from securing a location to securing a person and then ultimately to securing the asset, which is how do I manage access to the data? And that's the most specific thing that I know I can't control where people are. I can't control who's getting in and out. I have an extended enterprise. So how do I make sure that the data is secured? And then candidly, I spent a lot of time with peers. 
We're all fighting the same thing every day. We're all trying to do the same things. That's why I love being a CIO. The peer group, it's really a tight community. We get together a lot and everyone's really open about what works and what doesn't. And there's not a single time, whether it's a conversation or a conference or a forum that I get together and I don't leave with like 25 ideas. So there's not a day that goes by that we're not focused on it. I'm encouraged to hear that at this level of leadership, you have leaders who speak with one another openly about what's working and what's not working because ultimately it benefits everyone. This isn't an area where you're competing with someone for a market share. This is where you're making certain that everyone is protected as best they can be based upon the risks and threats that exist at any given time. I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask Mike before I could let him go. What, in your mind, is the most misunderstood technology? AI. I think AI is a group of technologies and capabilities. It's not in and of a thing. And I think that lack of broad-based understanding is causing some of the fear-based discussions out there. It's causing some of the dialogue on what needs to be regulated and not. And I think similar to some of the other technologies over the years, that the more we can demystify what AI is, what it can do for positive as well as for detriment as well, I think that's good for everyone. So I think the being in the news is positive, not getting out over our skis about things that it can't do, but also not trying to say, well, if you're not in IT, you can't understand it. I think that's a poor answer to what I think is going to be a you know societal changing technology. Excellent answer. Next up, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be authentic. Trying to pretend you have all the knowledge, everyone sees through it really quickly, but it also doesn't pay enough respect to the talent you have in your team. If you enable your team and be authentic about, hey, here's the problem I have. How can we go solve it? I think people are drawn to sincerity and authenticity and honesty and vulnerability. I had a boss a long time ago say, people watch how you walk into the building in the morning. If you're sullen and head down and trudging, they're going to take that as, oh, geez, I wonder if something's wrong. I wonder if, you know, I shouldn't approach him today versus, hey, listen, we all have work lives. We all have business lives. And how to be transparent on, okay, well, hey, this is where I'm struggling today. Or, oh uh, yeah, it was a, a late night. My kid was in the, in the hospital last night. Or, hey, we went live with this program this weekend. It didn't go as well as I, I thought it did. Here's what we're doing about it. I think that level of transparency for the team, in my experience, breeds an awful lot of trust and an awful lot of, we're going to rally together to solve a problem. So be authentic. I love that answer. It's distantly related to the own philosophy I try to follow, which is that I try to never assume I'm the smartest person in the room. And so far, it's been a pretty safe assumption. So I just go with that. <laughs> That's great. It, it's it, Trust the people that you work with, right? Yes. Oh, it doesn't hurt that I work with truly brilliant people who constantly amaze me. So <laughs> that, that definitely helps. Well, and finally, this show is called The Restless Ones. What does the term restless one mean to you? To me, what jumped to mind right away when I heard the title, and I love the title, by the way, is someone who's not satisfied. How do you continue to be inquisitive? How do you continue to look for new ways to better yourself or 
better the organization? How do you look for ways to solve things that they haven't been solved before? So I love that whole idea of how do you not just settle? And that's the fun part. That's why I love technology because it is the most dynamic field out there. Maybe I'm a little biased because it's the space I'm in, but I think you know having this as a title for this space couldn't be more perfect. Mike, thank you so much for joining The Restless Ones. It has been a real pleasure to have this conversation and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. You did a fantastic job and you made it easy, that's for sure. Thanks again to Mike Wondrash of Avantor for joining the show. I think Mike really brought into perspective exactly how crucial data is for the modern company. Data is what can help you identify an issue before it becomes a problem. It's what makes you aware of problems in the first place and gives you a foothold for finding a solution. And it's what helps you anticipate what comes next before everyone else does, giving you the opportunity to capitalize on it. And I know I say this a lot, but it really is true. Connectivity is what enables organizations to take advantage of that data. It's how we shepherd information from the point of collection to analysis to innovating solutions and new processes. With the era of untethered connectivity, we're no longer constrained by cables. We can implement that connectivity where it's needed, either temporarily or permanently. And the benefits we see can be transformative. Again, Thanks to Mike for joining the program. And to all of you out there, thank you for listening. We'll be having more conversations with leaders at the intersection of tech and business, so be sure to come back for those. And take some time to look over our back catalog of interviews. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Strickland. <laughs>